Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. Anthony is going to be teaching us on a better way to evangelize. Welcome to the program, Anthony. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. um, Last week, we started covering some of the pitfalls. There's obviously way more than we could actually cover in the amount of time that we had. But the main thing is, is we don't want to be known for what we're against. We want to be able to be known for what we're for. And so as we look at a better way to evangelize, a better way to share Jesus Christ, it it comes down to basically identifying the fault and, and going back to the foundation, which is completely based on Scripture. One of the things is I've been putting together revealing truths on, on evangelism is how much we've gotten away from what Jesus actually taught because we became so focused on message. We became so focused on putting notches in our belt or getting a pat on the back for leading people to Christ that you never see again. See, the thing is, is when we look at Scripture, you don't find anywhere in Scripture where it says, make converts. It's just not there. What you do find is it says, go preach the gospel, make disciples. So our goal is not to make converts. Our our goal is to disciple people. One of the things that it starts getting into is like, well, how do I get them to that place? Well, what I'm going to present to you is a way to evangelize that leads straight into discipleship. You might be thinking, I have no idea how to disciple someone. Well, we'll get we'll get to that in a later show. But today, I just want to focus in on how do you get there? How do you start a conversation with someone that ultimately leaves, leads to changing their entire life, completely changing the direction that their life is, has taken on and where it can go and, and, and the possibilities with God on their side instead of them going against God. So here's some things that I wanted to point out. And one is, let's talk about Jesus. For a second, when we look at Jesus, a lot of people don't realize Jesus evangelized. Okay, because if we break down the word evangel, you see that it means good news. So it's the gospel would be the modern translation today, because it means good news. So it says that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. So here he was bringing good news. He was preaching good news. So he was evangelizing. And you can see crowds and multitudes and everything followed him as he was evangelizing about his father's kingdom. So when you look at this, for me, I started just breaking everything down. I started looking at every single sermon Jesus preached. If it was a sermon on the mount, or when you commission the Twelve, or about John the Baptist, or a house divided, or the parables by the sea, or a kingdom 
the kingdom's greatness, Christ, woes to leaders, the end times, the upper room discourse, and those are only out of the Gospel of Matthew. And there's some in Mark, there's some in Luke, there's some in John. Excuse me. And you see that there's so much that Jesus covered. But if you look at the core, if you look at the principles, if you look at the essence of his message, you constantly find that God is, Jesus is saying that God is good and completely trustworthy. And this is what his kingdom is like because he is so good. And he knows that God is good because of his relationship with God. So as you go through John chapter 14 and and you see Philip telling Jesus, show us the Father. And he's like, how long have I been with you? And you say, show us the Father. I only do what the Father says to do. I only say what the Father says to say. And we see that, that Jesus' life was completely laid down for God. He only did the will of God. Even when he was in, his, in a moment of weakness, the Garden of Gethsemane, you see, what does he say? Not my will. Your will be done. So you see, everything he did was complete submission to God. But because he knows that God is good and just and true and honest and so many other things, it's easy to go straight into the nature of God. But when you look at, excuse me, when you look at what Jesus is sharing, for me, it started painting the picture that this is somebody he knows. There's relationship here. So I'm not here to teach you a method. In fact, this is going to boggle your mind a little bit. What I'm going to teach you is how to minister out of your relationship with God. Because a lot of times we try to put God in a box. The bottom line is he doesn't belong there because he doesn't fit. And so we, we put God in a box by thinking we can use this certain method and understand methods aren't wrong in and of themselves. But when you're trying to shove everything into a method, it just doesn't work. It's kind of like this. If I give you a hammer and tell you to go change a car, tire, how is that going to work out for you? It's not going to work very well. Because the person with the hammer, every situation, every problem is a nail. But if you have the right tools at that time, in that moment, the job becomes super simple. It becomes super easy. It's not complicated. And this is what Jesus has done. He's given you his Holy Spirit who knows all things. And it says you know all things. You have the mind of Christ. Because if we look at every single person, every individual, their history, their circumstances, their experiences, how they view those experiences, so their perception of those experiences, and God knows it all. Because he knows their heart. Their heart's not hidden from God. God sees it clearly. He sees it plainly. He knows the best way to reach them in a moment you approach them. He knows exactly what you need to say. He knows exactly what you need to do 
that completely destroys the walls that would normally come up if you started a conversation or an argument. Because this is what happens a lot of times. Because we have this agenda. We put, since we put God in this box, we try to use this box and we try to shove it in round holes. Or square holes or rectangular holes. And, and we can't figure out why it's not exactly fitting. Because it's not the exact same shape. And it causes a lot of frustration for people. And so the way they deal with it is they just dismiss it as, oh, well, at least I'm getting people to say the sinner's prayer, where I got to present this a thousand times, to, so I know I'm, I'm sowing good seed. Is that true? It is true. But what I'm getting at is wouldn't you like to be effective? Who cares about the number of people you reach? What about the quality in what you reach them? You go out for outreach for an hour, and you spend 45 minutes with this one person, but this person becomes a disciple. He doesn't just make Jesus his Lord. He says, you know what? I want somebody to walk with me. I want somebody to mentor me so I can grow up into Christ Jesus. And they might not put it in those terms, but they know that you know more than they do. And it's a starting point. And, go, and basically developing from there. So for instance, one of the situations that happened in this last year, uh, we finished training in, in Bolivia, Cochabamba, Bolivia. And we, we were teaching them basically how to go out and heal the sick and, and use that for evangelism purposes. And this man, he says, I've never done anything like this before. I go to a very conservative church. And we have his testimony. So he's, he's explaining this to us. And he goes, I saw this young man told me, go talk to him. So he said, okay, well, this young man was what we call glue kid. So it's somebody who, who lives on the streets, is a young child, teenager maybe, that basically ran away from home and became addicted to huffing glue, sniffing glue, because they get high off of it. It was very sad, right? But he sees this kid, and God tells him to go talk to him. So he goes and says, excuse me. As soon as he says that, the kid takes off running. He says, God, what do I do? He says, next thing you know, basically, he takes off running after this kid. And he's running and running and running and running. Finally, the kid, like, slows down and is out of breath. And he's like, oh, thank God, because I'm out of breath. And I'm definitely not in shape. And he's like, why don't you? Why didn't you stop? Like, why do you keep running? And the the kid goes, what do you want? And he was like, uh, I hadn't even thought that far. He goes, but God told him, don't say a word. Just walk up to him and hug him. He goes, this is what I want. He walks over to this kid and he hugs this kid. And this kid completely breaks and is bawling in this man's arms. And he got to share Jesus with him and lead this kid to the Lord. So you see, God uses relationship. Relationship with him to evangelize to a lost world. Because if we just take scripture and we, like is commonly used, 
And we take that. We beat people over the heads with it. And we poke them and we prod them with the word. They see the dry, dead letter. They don't see the living spirit of his word. And so when you go and you, you exemplify Jesus, you live the life of Jesus, you, you manifest the life of Jesus by loving sinners, by loving these lost people, because we were once there. We understand. We, 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 we're, we're not somebody who, who can say, well, I've never been there. I don't understand that. No, no, sin is sin in God's eyes. Doesn't matter how big, how small, it is sin. Being redeemed by God, being reconciled back to Him, is so important, so key. How how do you share with something like this? How do you how do you share your relationship with someone else? Well, it's very simple. How do you share your relationship with? with friends, about other friends or loved ones. You can't help but be excited to say, oh, I met this amazing person and they're this and they're that. And you you can't hold back. You can't help but share how amazing they are. Right? It reminded me of this clip um, and uh, the sitcom Friends, this old clip, and it's basically about a man um, they called Funny Bob. And they were always so excited to see Funny Bob because he was funny and fun and hilarious and spontaneous and, and all this stuff. So they would share about him and, and just talk about him to each other because he was so amazing, right? And... The story is he ended up being drunkard, and when he wasn't drunk, he wasn't so fun. So that's not my point. My point is that when when there's excitement and there's a relationship with the person, this person being Jesus Christ, that's all you need. So there's five things that I've, I've written down, and, and it's it's very important. You know, obviously when you share Jesus with somebody – the one thing that's going to come up is, is their own sin, their sin conscience. They're, they're already sin conscious. They already know that it, they can't measure up to God in the righteousness of his requirements. And to repent means it's, they need to change their mind. Instead of trying to achieve that in their, on their own ability, they just decide to trust Jesus. That's all it takes. That's how simple it is. Right, So here's five things for you to share. Share who Jesus Christ is, is number one. Share who he is. You'll be surprised how many people don't even know who Jesus is. They just know he's on a cross, or was on a cross at some point. And if they've ever been to Easter Sunday, then they know at some point he rose from the dead. But they don't know where he's at. Or why he rose from the dead, or, or what's the whole point behind it, or the, the significance? They don't know who Jesus is, even though they've heard of him. If I can guarantee you, you can go into a church right now and ask who Jesus Christ is, and the majority of the people that you ask this question to, they won't be able to answer it. They won't. So number two, I'm going to go back over these here in a second. So 
Number two, share what Jesus accomplished. So now you know who he is. Share what he accomplished. What does it mean? What's the significance? What makes him so amazingly great? And then you have share about your relationship with him. Right? You want to share with people how good he is. And that your relationship isn't based on the good times only. But that he sticks it through with you even in the bad times. That he loves you and cares for you and shows tender mercies and understanding even in the bad times. Because it brings on the just and the unjust. Shouldn't shake you to your core. Shouldn't shake you to get you to question God and his trustworthiness or anything like that. No, that's what the devil wants. But with this foundation of understanding who he is and, and focusing on his relationship with you, you won't ever be shaken. So number four says, share his desire for them to know him. He already knows them. Psalms 139 says he even designed their inward parts. He knew them before they were even born. He already knows them. But they don't know him. And he desires for them to know him. How do I know that? Because it says that he desires that none should perish. That all would come to know him. I'm paraphrasing here. So let's look at the, the, the fifth part. Sharing, it's a serious decision. Because you're, you're basically sharing that you're going to marry Jesus, not just for this lifetime eternity. See, the thing is, is we've, we've gone out of our way in the past to make it so simple, so easy to receive Christ. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't require anything. It doesn't mean you have to lay down your life. Come to Jesus. He'll put a Band-Aid on everything you, you have problems with and send you home with a smile. No, no. Jesus calls you to lay down your life, to take up your cross, cling to it, and go down to death and back up again. Because it's the only way he can receive glory. Is when that old man, that old nature, is dealt with and put to death with him on that cross. And this is getting into new creation, I know. It's getting into identity, I know. But this is the foundation. This is be where we're evangelizing, we're sharing with people where they start from. We shouldn't dig a deeper pit that they have to climb out of and realize, oh my gosh, like I, I got saved on purely selfish motives. That's not very Christ-like. Or would you rather say, you know what, I've discipled people and they started exactly where I'm at with my walk with God. Because that in itself could be scary for some people. My heart's desire is, hey, I want you to start where I'm at. I want you to understand the concepts and the principles and everything I understand in this moment. And, and you have the purity Let's say I'm evangelizing to you, and you, you make Jesus your Lord, and I start discipling you. You have the purity of heart, the purity of mind, 
to simply just trust Jesus without all the bad doctrine, without all the mistakes and everything else that I've made along the way. And you just get to walk with God. You just get to do life with God. Have examples of that. Because this is what he's calling you to. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So let's look at this. Let's return back to who is Jesus Christ? Many people think that Jesus Christ was simply a great teacher. But we believe he was far more than just a mere human being. His death and resurrection radically changed the course of history. Christ's love allows people to enter into a true, meaningful relationship with God the Father. Right? He's reconciled us back to the Father. So we know that Jesus is full humanity. He was born of a human. He endured the pains and temptations of humanity. He suffered a physical humiliating which he was innocent of. He was sinless. He did not sin even when tempted. He was unserving, undeserving, sorry, of punishment and death. And that's Mark 1, 12 to 13, Luke 2, 1 through 21, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and Hebrews 4, 15. He's also fully divine. He is the Son of God. He is God incarnate, the Word made flesh, who came to the earth to redeem humanity. John 1, 1, John 1, 14. John twenty thirty one, the Messiah. He is the 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 Savior of the world. He's the Messiah foretold in Old Testament prophecies. His kingdom is the kingdom of God, where he where his followers from all nations are united in love and peace. Isaiah fifty three, Micah five two, Mark fourteen sixty one through sixty two. John four twenty five to forty two and John eighteen thirty six. Jesus is the Savior. Though though sinless, he chose to die, and he received humanity's punishment for their sin in order to save them. Through his resurrection, he conquered death and sin, Satan and hell. He also promised. He promises. Eternal life to those who believe in him. So he takes the foolishness of the world and he, he confounds the wise because he makes it utterly simple to enter in. But people would rather rest on, on what they can do and what they know instead of just trusting God. And that's all it takes. So we have Luke twenty four five through seven, John three sixteen and thirty six, John five twenty four, John eleven twenty five, and Hebrews nine fourteen. Jesus is the last Adam. It doesn't say the second Adam. It says the last Adam. He provided forgiveness and a new life, abolishing the sin and death that Adam brought upon eternity. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to Genesis three. You read about it there. The fall of man and how sin entered in to the world, bringing sickness with it and death. Then we have Romans 5, 12 through 21, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22, 
in 45 verses 45 to 49. And Jesus is the high priest. He directly connects people to God. He was a perfect sinless ultimate sacrifice for sin. No other sacrifice or priest is needed for forgiveness from God. You'll find that in Hebrews 3, 1, 4, 14 through 15, and 7, chapter 7, 24 to 27. So you can see Jesus, he accomplished, he, he has a lot of things. I mean, I barely even started scratching the surface because you can see that he is, he is resurrection. He is the life. He is the way. He is truth. He's the good shepherd. He's the prince of peace. Right? There's so many ways to identify who Jesus is. But this is the thing is as you rely on the Spirit of God and you're sharing who Jesus is to someone, he highlights certain aspects that he wants you to share with them because he knows that that will bring down the walls with this person. And God gets complete access to his heart. That's what he wants. He wants to give you a new heart, a new life, a life with him. And it's so amazing, so amazing. And so a lot of this that I'm sharing with you, you can find on our um, seven-day challenge in our institute, the Be the Gospel Institute. You can sign up for the seven-day challenge. Um, we have a promo code I'll give you at the end. And basically, we, we go through and we start challenging every aspect of your life. And I'm telling you, as I was really been looking at evangelism, really been going back to it. This is something God's been working on me on for the last four years at least. Returning back to biblical evangelism and sharing the good news about Jesus Christ and what he, he did, who he is, what he accomplished, and my relationship with him. Because, well, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I just get a little excited going over this. and So let's let's go what he accomplished before I, I jump to my relationship with him. And it says, the number one reason why Jesus came to the earth was to cut the new covenant in his blood to settle the sin problem and to provide deliverance and righteousness for men. So he came and he created a new covenant and he reconciled us back to God. It's absolutely amazing. And there's a bunch of things I can dive into here in this section. But yeah, I just I want you to I'll try to make this available to you. Um but basically it covers a lot of information. There's a lot of scripture to cover that basically talks about the importance of um him shedding his blood. The blood of Jesus is only Remedy for man's sinful condition, and this is the only way uh, that remedy can can purge man's conscience and remove spiritual death and impart God's righteousness. And you find that Leviticus seventeen eleven says, "Life is in the blood." Right, so you you begin to understand the whole old covenant system or the Old Testament system with animal sacrifices and the shedding of blood, and how that can only Atone and cover up man's sin But it couldn't remove it But Jesus' blood completely removed it Because Jesus was completely spotless Spotless He was sinless He was perfect He is perfect He is sinless Right So when you look at this It it, it just kind of 
goes right into so many things. And, you know, what he accomplished by the cross. The Old Testament writers foretold in a minute detail the sufferings of Christ and the manner of his death. He would be betrayed by a friend. Psalms 41.9, Matthew 26.15. He would be sold for 30 per uh, 30 pieces of silver Zechariah 11.12 Matthew 26.31 He would be forsaken by his disciples Zechariah 13.7 Matthew 6.31 He would be accused by false witnesses Psalms 35.11 Matthew 26.59-60 He would be spat upon and beaten with stripes With many stripes Isaiah 50 Verse 6 and 53, 5, Matthew 27, 26, Mark 14, 65. He would be smitten with a rod. He would be nailed to a cross. He would be mocked while hanging on the cross. He would be pierced with a sword. He would be offered vinegar and gall of drink. None of his bones would be broken. He would be crucified with thieves. Soldiers would gamble for his garments. And he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And this is just some of the prophecies about Jesus that he fulfilled. And that's that's just in the short aspect of his life. So when you look at the enormity, this is just a side note, I'm not saying you have to share this with anybody, but when you look at the enormity of the Bible, and that it had 66 books, over 40 authors, or something like that, I'm trying to remember how many authors, I have to go back and Fact check that again. But when you see how many authors and how it, the only the only commonality was the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote, and it spans thousands and thousands of years, all fulfilled. Right? So you see what Jesus accomplished, and there's even more than that. So let's talk about your relationship with Him. Your testimony is powerful. Share about your testimony. How you came to know him. Keep it simple. Let them ask questions. This changes with every person. So, sometimes you'll walk up to somebody and you say, Hey, how you doing? How's everything going? And then it starts the dialogue and they start talking. You don't have to rush in with an agenda. Oh, I have to I have to witness to thirty people. No, you don't have to witness to thirty people. Why not win the one? Focus on the one. Be there. Care. Love that person. Jesus said he would leave the ninety nine for the one. So take your time with the person. Get to know them. Develop a friendship. And that means, yes, you have to keep on seeing them. You have to keep on going by their place of employment. Or if they're homeless, you keep seeing them on a, on a regular basis because it creates commonality or familiarity. And from that, it begins to grow. But care because you actually care, not because you're trying to follow a formula. Let the love of God that's poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit completely overtake you for these people. And so when you're keeping it simple, when you when you start explaining your testimony, understand your testimony is 
walking with God, being reconciled back to God. So it'd be something like this. I'll give you a quick example. You know, I, I grew up in church. I learned very quickly many scriptures and how to use them to beat God's people and sinners, people who are blatantly against God. It didn't help me. In fact, if you listen to what I said, you realize that I was full of self-righteousness and pride. I had anger issues. I had jealousy issues. I had tons of things that I was dealing with. But I was inside, even though at church it looked like I had everything together and I was living this perfect little life, this fantasy life, Inside, I was completely miserable. I didn't have any direction. I had no idea where I was going and what I was going to do. Then something changed. And just stop there. Because if they're listening to you, they'll be like, what? What changed? And you continue. I met God. I'm not talking about going to church and saying a prayer or seeing some statue. No, no, no. I mean, God, I had an encounter with him that has forever solidified my trust, my loyalty, my heart to him. And then you begin to explain some of his accomplishments. He became sin for me so that I wouldn't have to suffer that punishment. He took all my failings all my losings. And he's made me a winner. He's made me a champion. And the Bible even says he's made me a conqueror. And just listen to them. They're probably going to say something. Oh, that's good for you. Good for me. It's also good for you. So you find that you're sharing about the best person, the best being in the entire world. See, a lot of times we want to share out of what we know instead of who we know. Because the world has taught us what you know is so important. Right? But in, if that were true, then everybody with a degree from college would be extremely important. And you don't find that to be true. In fact, I know people with lots of degrees not doing anything at all. With those degrees. So it's not about what you know. Especially with God, it's about who you know. Know him. Well, how do you know him? You know him because of scripture. You know his character. Because the scripture, it's a love letter to you. God's revealing himself to you. Don't look at it as a series of... No, you have to look past that. You have to look into the into the essence, the core of what Scripture says, what it's, what it's painting, the picture that it's painting, and you begin to see God. You begin to see that He's just, that He's merciful and He's righteous. Very often on campus, when I worked campus ministry in South Texas, I found that we would always get asked, if God is so good, how come He allows evil on the earth? And you knew that that was going to come across at some point in time during the day, during your week, or something, just being on campus. 
And I started asking God, what's the best reply for this? And I thought I had a good one until I heard another brother share on campus kind of took the flame out from mine, (laughs) from my answer. So let me share my answer. And basically I've I've even heard Lecrae sing one of his songs, the exact same thing. And so basically I tell him, I go, well, let me ask you some questions. So let's say we, we both agree that God is good. And because he's so good, there's no bad in him. And so they'll agree. And you say, okay, so God is just. There's no injustice in him. You have to understand it's black or white. There's no gray area. So if we look at humanity, we see that all of humanity is tainted by sin. And you could say, well, I'm perfect. I'm better than the next person. But look, at the end of the day, even if you stole a pin in your life, you've come of God. And so if you're going to get rid of evil, he would have to he would have to get rid of everything. But instead he had a better plan. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh, reconciling us back to God. And I thought that was an amazing answer. In fact I actually used it several times in a different conversation that really destroyed how they thought and where they were going to go with it. But the, the, the argument I've heard recently is this. I'm not going to answer that question until you ask it the right way. And the, the gentleman said that the people talking to him were like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to answer that question until you ask that question the right way. And they're like puzzled. So they repeat the question. He goes, nope, I'm not answering it until you ask it the right way. And finally, they're like, well, how do I ask that question the right way? And this gentleman responds. He goes, God, being infinitely good and just, how is it that he doesn't kill us in our sleep because of the sin in our lives? And just that simple explanation brings a lot of closure to it as well because you can see that what it opens it up to is showing that God is merciful and his heart isn't to, to punish us. He's not the Godfather waiting for us to slip up so that we can sleep with the fishes, but actually to walk with us and have a relationship with us. And that's why it says that we are to co-labor with him. We look at Adam in the Garden of Eden we see he, he, God brought all the animals before Adam. And he named them. Why did he do that? Even then, he desired to co-labor with man. So it's very interesting. I know it's a little off topic, but here we go. It says his desire is for them to know him. He wants them to know him. God is personal. He wants a relationship with everyone. God has a particular plan for everyone's life, and it's completely different from life to life. The only way people can step into this, that destiny, into this destiny in God, is to submit to him 
and walk out the plan with him. That's what I'm saying. God wants to co-labor with us. He has the best absolute plan for your life, and it can only be accomplished by walking with him. And so it brings it to the last point. And this is something very important. Don't pressure people into a decision. It's not your job. Spirit takes care of that. But you present them with the with the understanding that they're having to make a, a decision. And in, even when in them not making a decision, they're making a decision. So that's why I like to say, do you realize that this is this is a serious thing. Making Jesus your Lord is extremely serious because you're not just marrying him for a lot for this lifetime. You're marrying him for eternity, and this is a huge decision. It's not to be taken lightly because when you realize, you know, you don't just meet somebody. Well, usually, let me put it this way: you don't meet somebody one day, marry them the next, right? Why? Because there's a severity, there's there's such a huge sobriety and understanding to the consequences of you deciding to enter into a lifelong covenant. Covenant we have with Jesus is for eternity. And it changes so much on how it is. Because we look at Jesus, what did Jesus say? He says before somebody makes a decision or, or let me put it the way he says it he says before a builder builds he sits down he makes sure he, he makes sure that he has everything he needs to finish what he starts it's like a man who found a pearl in this property and he went and he sold all that he had to go back and buy that property they had to give up everything. So you see what God wants, what he's, he's asking you for. He's asking you for everything. Complete, total, extreme surrender to him. And it seems hard. It seems complicated, I know. But when you understand that he is an absolute good, trustworthy Righteous and holy and perfect and merciful and gracious God. And it's hard not to. And somewhere in us, every single one of us want perfect. So I hope this helps you. I hope this kind of starts painting a picture for you. That every situation is going to be different. But you rely on God. You rely on his Holy Spirit in you. Sharing with you. How to proceed in the conversation. How to proceed to unlock the door to their heart so that they begin to open up and and listen to what God has to say to them directly. And I can tell you, I've seen it over and over again. These people just break down. They start bawling. They start crying. But the most important thing is those aren't empty tears. They make a stand in a decision to marry Jesus Christ for eternity. So remember these last four things before we go. You want to love, listen, discern, respond. If you follow this, you know, um, this started, we got this from Time to Revive, 
which is an awesome evangelism ministry that we've worked with on multiple occasions. And so when it says love, we love because Christ first loved us. By praying guidance from the Holy Spirit, wisdom, and speaking words of love, we are on our way to bring love-minded. Uh, I'm sorry. We are we are on our way to being love-minded. Right? So you want to <clears throat> love the person. You want to take your time. You want to care for them. If it was you, would you want somebody to take their time with you? Or would you rather feel like a number? You see this in the grocery store, right? Yeah, everybody's so impatient to get up to the grocery line, but then they take their time as soon as they're up there to pay or to cash in their coupons or whatever the case may be. They had all the time to get prepared while they were waiting, but they didn't. Why? Because everybody enjoys being loved. Even if it's as simple as that. So number two, listen. It is important to listen to their needs and prayers. We choose to tune out our own needs and wants to focus on the people before us and to meet their needs. So you want to put your thoughts, your distractions, everything aside, and you want to listen. You want to hear exactly what God's saying to them. And for them. And what they're saying to you. Right? And so the second part is discern. I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Um, so this is number three. Discern. Just by being in constant dialogue with God about every encounter, you then can discern that God responds, uh, that what, God, what response God wants to make regarding each person you meet. Let me read that again. By being in constant dialogue with God about every encounter, you then can discern what response God wants you to make regarding each person you meet. He begins to share with you details in people's lives. He begins to share with you how to respond to them and talk to them. I'm telling you, sometimes it can be tough love. Sometimes they can be cursing you out and God wants you to just be silent and still and hug them. My my cousin shared with me this one testimony where he was in Mexico and they were out on the streets and they were inviting people to their big campaign that they were doing. And he says, it was going amazing. We have an amazing week. All these people and their families were getting delivered and healed and set free and coming to Christ. And, and they were there at church every day. After they they made Jesus their Lord, they were there every day. He goes, so I was out and on the streets, and I'm walking back to the church because we're going to have a meeting. Because all of a sudden, this guy appears and he's riding a bike, and he can tell he's a drunk. He goes, you could smell it on him. And the man says, "Are you with the church?" He says, "Yes, yes, I am." And he goes, "I want to give my life to Christ." So he says he stops. He looks at the man. He can't explain it. He just looks at him and goes, no, you're not serious. Come back to me when you're serious. 
and walks off. Right? He goes, in his mind, he's like, what did I just do? This guy's like trying to give his life to Christ, and and I'm not like responding the nicest way. I don't know why I'm not responding this way, but okay, you know, so he just kept walking. And this man comes, and he throws down his bike, and he's like, please, sir, please, sir. My family, they, they all became Christians. And I'm trying to keep my family together. And I want to give Jesus, I want to make Jesus my Lord. And so my cousin stops and he says, I looked in his eyes. He goes, I know it wasn't true. I know he had no desire to make Jesus his Lord. Probably he said it was true about the family, but he had no desire to make Jesus his Lord. He goes, so I continued on. I said, no, no, you don't deserve him. And I started walking off. He goes, in my mind, I was like, it doesn't get better than this. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> and so he keeps walking. Finally, this guy throws himself on the ground. He's like, please, please, so you don't understand. I need him. I need him to change my life. I need him to forgive me of my sin. He's, he stopped. He turned around. He goes, now you're ready. And he led him to Christ. And that man, as far as I know, is still in, in, I think he even went into ministry. And is just serving the Lord to this day. So you see, sometimes it doesn't come out the nice, loving way we think. Sometimes it's tough love on how it's manifest. And so this is basically where respond comes God tells you exactly what to say, what to do. And that's what happened with my cousin. God was telling him what to say and what to do, even though it's going past his own mind, thinking like, how in the world, why in the world am I acting this way, right? And then we respond, taking all the above into consideration. Love, listen, and discern. Now is the time to respond according to what God prompts you to, to do or to say. It could be words of love, sharing the gospel, prayer, or a number of wonderful responses. But you begin to respond out of what God shared with you. Because it makes a difference. It changes everything. Because you begin to see that God is personal. We were in Brazil, and we got invited to go pray for this young lady, 25 years old, who was having blackouts back pain, and migraine headaches. Went to the doctor. Doctors ran all kinds of tests and said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It's completely emotional. I said, oh, okay. So it's something spiritual. And uh, so we start praying for her. The headache starts going down a little bit. And as we're praying for her. God tells me, ask her questions. So I said, okay. I said, when did all this start? She's like, oh, it all started when, actually, when I was 14, I became bulimic because I'm overweight. And I wasn't like all the skinny girls in school. And and uh, as she's saying that, God tells me she rejects her own body. That's why she blacks out. And I'm like, what? Is that even possible? So I have this whole dialogue with God in my head while this is all going on, right? But I'm listening to every word she's saying. And I said, oh, okay. 
sir, I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to speak blessing over you. She said, okay. So basically what was going on with me is I was prepping for giving a word. So I said, God, okay, I see what's going on here. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to tell her in this moment? And uh, so he told me. So I just began sharing with her everything he said. She starts weeping. She starts bawling. And she's a Christian. And at the end of it, she goes, you know what? I believe in God. My, her dad was a pastor, or is a pastor. He goes, but I didn't believe that God cared about me. And as I was prophesying over her, God was giving me details of her likes, giving me details of her life. And she was just blown away. So you see how God, he wants to communicate to people. You are his ambassador. You're a believer. You're his ambassador. You represent him. You speak on his behalf. He sends. He, he think about this. This is the reason why you haven't been. As soon as you get saved, you haven't been immediately translated, teleported into the kingdom of God. Straight up into heaven. Whoop. You know. Right. That would be ideal. That would be awesome. But no, he has us here as his representatives. To speak on his behalf, to represent him, his actions, his thoughts, his words, his works. So we don't rely on ourselves. We completely submit ourselves to him. We surrender to him and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to co-labor with you. I surrender everything I am to you. Use these lips. Use these hands and his feet. Use this mind for your glory. And it's that simple. It's that easy. So it looks like we're running out of time. But I'm, I'm telling you, you begin to, to minister, you begin to evangelize out of relationship, it will completely change everything. Go ahead, Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I know um, it's hard for some of us to evangelize. Well, I don't get out much, so that's part of the problem. But I remember at the beginning of my walk, my emotions towards Father were so intimate and personal. I couldn't even talk about it to people. So I do understand that it can be difficult at times to get there. But it is all about relationship. And I truly believe that Father will point us to the ones who are ready to hear his message. So that was an, that is a better way to evangelize, to just touch on the title of the program. That was very good. Yeah, you, you find that, that God begins to highlight people to you. They just stick out to you for some reason. They catch your eye. And God will start telling you about the person. And I can tell you, when it first started happening to me, I thought I was losing my mind, Dorothy. I, I was <laughs> like, what in the world is going on? I was walking down the street in Bolivia, Cochabamba, Bolivia, and we we're on our way to a meeting. And I could hear just about everything about every person we're walking by. And the streets aren't like the streets in the United States. It's more, I guess, similar to 
New York City or something like that. Well, not quite as busy during the busy times. But you're walking by in one block, you just walk by about 100 people. So imagine walking three blocks and how many people you're running, walking by, and there's traffic and there's cars honking and, and all this stuff. And God's telling me about every person we're walking by. And I'm like, what? And I felt like, um, you know that, that movie, What a Woman Wants with Mel Gibson? I've heard I about it. I women. haven't seen it. <laughs> well, he can hear women's thoughts. <laughs> oh, that would be awful <laughs> for a man. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's basically like that, but I could hear everybody's thoughts and, and even what they were going through. And God was just telling me where they were at. And, and I'm like, whoa, it's like, God, this is too much for me right now. I'm just trying to go to a service, you know. <laughs> I've got to speak here in a little bit, and you're telling me all this stuff. And uh, so basically focusing in, I started realizing I can direct that to, to certain people. And God begins to open up everything about that person to me if I just listen. And so – a lot of it is just being willing to listen because you have a relationship with him, because you hear him, because he talks to you. All you have to do is listen. And then from there, you know, you just love, listen, discern, and respond. So I know it could be challenging at first, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Always. Go ahead. It is it is very rewarding when you when that happens as well. Um, just in, uh, I had an encounter in a grocery store where I was led to pray for someone's healing, and um, I was very nervous about it because I, I I'm not good at approaching strangers in the natural, you know, but I felt so moved because um, sometimes Father can be very uh, forget what you know he he just lets you know what he wants when he wants it at times right. and right. uh i did i went up and i prayed for him and the guy was open to prayer and then he turned around and prayed for me so it was a very <laughs> nice encounter yeah and the bible also says we never know when we're ministering to angels unaware right for me i you know i've i've had some encounters just out evangelizing that I know I either miss an angel because I haven't been perfect in my evangelism, right? And reaching out to everybody. And so not to put anybody under any condemnation. You know, this is what, this is God's heart is for people. That's the currency of heaven. It's people. It's, it's, it's relationship with, with God that brings these people into king, into the kingdom of God. And so, so yeah, yeah, you'll find that God will impress on your heart. He will he will talk to you. He basically I can tell you everybody's done this. Everybody's done this. I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved, everybody's done this. God tells you something, he even tells you to do something concerning a person and you'll say, "God, is that you?" Right? Because you would have that. Yep. Right? And then, Absolutely. and then you say, then you find a way to wiggle out of that area so you don't see that person, 
and then you tell God, okay, God, if I see that person again, then I, I will tell them or do what you want me to do. And guess what happens? You see them again. <laughs> and then either you do it or you don't do it. Right? Right. So it's not that it's not that you don't hear God. You just need to be able to, to stand in the comfort of his goodness and say, you know what? God's not going to put me in a situation that's going to put me in danger. He He knows everything. He goes before me, and he's also our, our rear guard. He protects us from behind. So if he's leading me this direction, it's obviously for a reason. So let me go and share with this person what he wants me to share. And this opens up a whole different world because then you begin to realize, just as Dorothy was saying, that there's these Kairos moments, these moments in time that are so key, so monumental that it redirects the whole life of the person. It's, it's a monumental moment in time where it changes everything. The direction, the path, the destiny completely changed for God. And your days are full of them. But the thing is, is we haven't been listening. We haven't been paying attention. Imagine how many people you pass by every day, either in the grocery store or just commuting to work or whatever it may be, that God's been saying, hey, I've been trying to talk to you about this person for, for a while now. You see that guy three, three seats down in the subway? Or, or, you know, three seats down in, in the waiting room or wherever you're at. And it's like, they're thinking about committing suicide. I need you to talk to them. What, me? No, I'm not. God, you're going to trust me with that? No way. Right? And we're quick to talk ourselves out of it because we don't realize how much God loves us, how much he trusts us. And it's from this place that we begin to minister. We love and we care for these people. And we see God show up. I'm telling you, if you have one verse, because a lot of people say, well, I don't know enough Bible. Okay, if that's an excuse, then you'd have to disqualify a lot of people, even even those throughout the New Testament, <clears throat> because they didn't have a Bible. They would have to go to the synagogue to read Scripture, right? But you can see a lot of the ministry, especially in the Gentiles, was not in the synagogue. It wasn't where they can hear Scripture. But what did they have? They had the assurance of faith in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so you, you can take one verse, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Right? You can take that one scripture, the devil with it, because you understand it. Because you understand it from a place of relationship Where it's alive Not dead It's alive Right And I also think we get stuck on We have to know the scripture as it's written I know a lot of scripture But I don't, you know, necessarily remember it word for word But I remember the intent And it's inside me, I can talk Bible without even mentioning, you know, chapter and verse. And that's something yeah. we all do without realizing it. 
because once we once we ingest the doctrines in the 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 scripture and the intent of the scripture and we start living it and becomes a part of us it becomes a part of our language as well so yeah you know you don't have to quote scripture you know chapter and verse just what you've learned <laughs> what you're living <laughs> Yeah, what you actually find is that that's more of a turnoff in our culture today, to quote scripture. They immediately pass you off as being religious. Right. And so what I teach people today in evangelism is, okay, I want you to be able to quote chapter and verses, but at the same time, I want to be able to paraphrase them in a regular conversation. Because it's still the word of God speaking it out and it's still sharper than a two-edged sword right and it's it's piercing their heart it's touching their heart because people know truth when they hear truth so you don't have to know tons of scripture you don't need to know all the addresses and everything else for them because you're not speaking at a church you're talking to somebody in a regular dialogue now, if they say, where is that in the Bible? Then you can say, all right, let's 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 open up a Bible. Let's look. Because you'll find those people as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. There are all signs out there. Yep. But the main thing is just resting in your relationship with God and let him guide you. And this is part of surrender. It means we have to let go. We have to let go of trying to control what we will and won't, what we will allow God to do, what we won't allow Him to do in us. And to say, God, I'm yours. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price, and I completely submit myself to you. So if you want me to go, I'll go. If you want me to say something, I'll say something. If you want me to do something, I'll do something. Because I'm completely yours. And it's this mindset that you'll begin to have experiences and stories and testimonies that people are going to think you're crazy because they're like, what What possessed you to do that? Well, I don't know. God told me to do it, so I did it. So you begin to understand yourself, and God starts revealing pieces of himself, and it becomes more intimate because you start to realize why God has you do things and has you say things and why he said things in Scripture because you can read it from a religious mindset, not understand it at all, but after you've experienced it and you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, I fully understand how God means this now. And it changes a lot. It does. And there's also a great, I don't want to say reward because it's not tangible, but when you obey Father, when he tells you to do something, it's, such a good feeling it's it's it is rewarding but not in a tangible way i don't know how to explain it <laughs> yeah well the thing is is we love bringing pleasure to our father right even even earthly fathers or yes. parents that's the it's honor and it's it's the same thing with with our heavenly father cuz we know in that moment he's smiling down on us and going oh i'm proud of you thorsey i'm so proud of you Right? You know it because you can sense it. You can feel it. 
And it's not that he's not proud of you otherwise, because he's always proud of you, but in those moments, it becomes tangible. Yes. So, so I know um, we've gone over our time a little bit. We want to share that we we have um, a number of courses available for free on our Be the Gospel Institute. So if you'd like to support our ministry and get some good teaching, you can definitely join Be the Gospel Institute for free. Um, we have some free courses there, and then we have some paid courses. I've been working on the Revealing Truth series. Uh, I will be able to go much deeper in evangelism um, as I've been writing out the manual and working on the manual for uh, Revealing Truths on, man- on Evangelism. It has been crazy what I've been finding, Dorothy. Crazy stuff. And I'm just like, what? How did this ever enter into the church? And we just accepted it full line and sinker. And begin to see why it's so watered down. Why why we watered it down so much? You know, trying to make it more palatable for people to to accept Christ. It's like right, more socially acceptable. Yeah, right. And so yeah, and then we also we're talking about what it truly means to be born anew. Even though we use the terminology "born again," I actually go back to. John 3 and explain that whole section out in uh, uh, in the re- Revealing Truth about being born again. And then also uh, diving, basically it kind of creates a segue into Revealing Truth on the Holy Spirit. And uh, so yeah, I'm really excited just from a lot of things that God's starting to bring out and everything. And we are, um, my wife and I, and another director, we're fully supported by the ministry. And, you know, if you would like to donate, you can go to our website, which is bethegospel.com, um, and just click on the Give tab, and it takes you to a portal where you can give. And everything that we do, we live completely for the gospel. We, we live completely for Jesus. And <clears throat> all these truths and everything you know, they've they've come through experiences. <laughs> you know, I, I shared some of these experiences with Dorothy and uh, being all over the world and and seeing God do amazing things and completely destroy um, even the religious mindsets I, I thought I had gotten rid of. And uh, that is just amazing. And he's he just doesn't fit in any box I've ever I've ever found. <laughs> No, he does not. That's one of my favorite things. Don't put God in the box. But, you know, if the enemy can be successful in watering down the power and the truth and, you know, the whole thing of what the gospel is truly about and knock Christians off their their mark, then they're going to be powerless in their walk. And then... Mm-hmm. They won't be going out making more disciples. You know, they'll be ineffective. So I think it's very important to bring out the truths, you know, the good sound doctrine that's in Scripture that's buried for a lot of people. So, yeah, it's but I have the channel. <laughs> buried in plain sight, exactly. <laughs> That's why Paul says, if our gospel, if you know, yeah, if our gospel is hidden from anybody, it's it's because the prince of this world has blinded their eyes. 
Yes. But that's all right, because Father is letting us use his eyes off for these people. Amen. Amen. And I'm very grateful for allowing, um, very grateful for the opportunity to to join your, your channel and in presenting truth. I'm glad to have you. I'm so glad David pointed you to me or pointed me to you. What, which one, whichever one of those. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard nowadays to find good truth-telling or truth-teaching people anymore because the enemy has been kind of good at, at snowing everybody. And so they lose sight yeah. of everything. But it, but I know there are starving sheep and lambs out there. So that's what Father's put on my heart, to get the true gospel out to his lambs and sheep. So Amen. I'm glad you're with Amen. us. Well, thank you. Yeah, really appreciate that. Yeah, that's basically our heart's cry as well, is just presenting truth to where it begins to um, resonate and permeate within people because of the Holy Spirit, and they begin to walk it out. It's not just about yep. hearing it. It's about it's about doing as well. Absolutely. So do you want well, to close you. up with we, a prayer? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to yeah, go ahead and close up now. And so basically I just want to encourage you you know, just just ask God to open your ears. And as you go about your day, don't be so busy that you shove God out of your life. Instead, be inclusive with God and say, okay, God, what do you want to talk about? What do you want me to do today? What are your plans for, for us today? And see what happens. And I look forward to hearing many testimonies because this is what I do. And I can tell you, it does not come back void at all. You have plenty of opportunities and testimonies where God opens up for you. So don't be afraid. You know, just know that you can take courage in a good God and trust him. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for you. Also pray for anybody who's sick. If you can just do a favor of just laying your hand on yourself, you can just put your hand on your head if you want. Or in the area where it hurts or you're having issues, then I'm going to pray, okay? So right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you open every ear and every eye so they have ears to hear and eyes to see exactly what you're saying and exactly what you're doing in their lives and the lives of those around them. So, Father, I thank you right now that they would never be the same, that they would learn to trust you and step out in full faith, in full confidence, as you give them the words to speak in that moment for each person, for each heart, that it brings you glory, Father, that, they, that their reliance is on you alone, not on a method, not on a strategy, but to, on you alone. And so, Father, anybody who's sick right now, I thank you, Father, that, are, that as they're laying hands on themselves, that your spirit's flowing through their body, 
to the issue and forcing it out. So all sickness, all infirmity, all disease, all weakness, you go right now. And pains and aches and other issues, you go as a result. So you'd be healed and whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Anthony. Well, thank you. And I will say good night. Good night, Anthony. Good night, Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) And good night, everyone.